You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate that enormously. Uh, it's great to be here with you. Um, I love our city. I love what God's doing in our city. And I look forward to fighting the good fight of faith in the next four years. Uh, and that's said. Um, so uh, just uh, also, I, I want to talk to you today about your walk with God. Uh, I trust my prayer as I came here this morning was that the Lord would empower your walk with God after we've spent time together in worship and around the Word. And so uh, this book is written with that in mind as well. So let me just read to you what Bill Johnson had to say about it. Radically Restored to Oneness with God is a brilliant book. It is filled, and I do mean filled with insight and inspiration that couldn't come at a better time with much of the world in chaos on the church, often mirroring the instability of our surroundings. Radically Restored is given that we might become established in truth and from there reveal the absolute rock. Christ Jesus. And so that's what the book's trying to do, is to reveal truth, and that's what I'm hoping to do as well as we come around the word this morning. Um, I don't bring books with me anymore because it just gets too complicated, but the flyer, uh, you can get it from Amazon, you can get it, it's, it's all around the place uh, from Kurong. It's published internationally, so uh, if that works for you, that would be great. Um, actually, I should give this one away. Let me just take this yellow bit of paper out of here. Who had a birthday today? Does anybody have a birthday today? Birthday? I don't know. This guy up here, second in. Is it your birthday, sir? Friday. Friday. So today's Sunday. So is it next Friday or last Friday? Last Friday. Anyone have a birthday yesterday? Anyone want to have a birthday today? All right. Why don't you come down and get it, mate? Can you catch? <laughs> Great. All right, turn with me to John chapter 16, uh, if you have your Bible with you or in your electronic device, uh, as we come around the Word of God together this morning. Lord, I pray uh, that you would just continue to move in our hearts. We thank you for the opportunity to minister to you and worship. We thank you for your goodness towards us all the time. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just... Open our ears to hear what you want to say to us individually and corporately this morning as we come around your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, John chapter 16, uh, verse 31. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. I want to begin with the word tribulation here. Uh, so the word tribulation here, if you've been around the kingdom of God for any period of time, when we hear the word tribulation, we tend to think about that piece in Revelation called the Great Tribulation where everything goes south and life becomes a bit difficult. But it doesn't mean that here. Uh, this, this Greek word here means inner turmoil. And so Jesus is saying, in the world you will have inner turmoil. Wow. So today I want to normalise the fact that there are times when you are afraid. I want to normalise the fact that at times you doubt. You doubt the goodness of God. You doubt whether God's there. You doubt whether he's actually going to turn up. But we all have these times because we all have inner turmoil. Jesus actually said we all have inner turmoil. I want to normalise the fact that most of us are insecure in some way or another. 
We carry insecurity. We're uncertain about where we stand with people. We're uncertain about how people feel about us. We're trying to figure out where we fit in the world. And so inner turmoil are those places inside of us that cause us to be anxious. They, they cause us to feel overwhelmed. They cause us to worry. And so it's inside of all of us. The person beside you, turn to the person beside you and say, thank God for your inner turmoil. And... Uh, <laughs> because that's what it says in the book of Romans chapter 5, and we'll get there shortly. Uh, so, but, but our inner turmoil, and so Jesus is saying, in the world you'll have inner turmoil. He's just acknowledging the fact that we don't cope well all the time, that we feel overwhelmed. And so what Jesus does is he gives us insight into how to deal with those times. And that's what I want to look at today. How do you walk with God when you're in a place of inner turmoil, whatever that inner turmoil might look like. And so the context for this scripture is that a change is taking place or is going to take place. They've been gathered together around the Lord. They've walked with the Lord. They've seen all these incredible miracles, but now they're going to be scattered. So they've been gathered. They've been overwhelmed by the goodness of God, but something's about to happen in their circumstances that's going to change their reality and they're all going to be scattered. So where they were gathered they're now going to be scattered. The thing about change is that change speaks. Change has a voice. Change communicates. Change sends messages. And so you imagine being Jesus and you're coming to the most difficult part of your life. You're going to have to be crucified and you have an insight into what this means, not just the physical pain, but the spiritual ignominy of all sin being placed upon you. So Jesus understands this and he knows what's about to happen in his world. So in his deepest hour of need, those that are closest to him that have been gathered around him are going to leave him. So these circumstances are going to speak. They're going to have a voice and change always has a voice. When you don't have enough money, it has a voice. When you get a bad medical report, it has a voice. When somebody rejects you, it has a voice. And so that voice, it's a message, it communicates and it comes towards you. And what Jesus is saying is that this voice is going to, to come towards you and it's going to hit your inner turmoil. And that's what happens to these voices when our circumstances change, when, you, when somebody you love and cherish passes away, when somebody dies unexpectedly, when a child changes their desire to be a follower of Jesus and to do something different. All those circumstances, they have voices. They speak, they communicate. And those voices come and, they, and because you've got inner turmoil, those voices are going to hit your inner turmoil. This is life. Welcome to the real world. And so Jesus is saying, what do you do when that happens? So he says, the voice of you being scattered is going to make it look like I'm alone. He's, going, he's saying, the voice of this moment is going to look like I'm alone, like I've been abandoned, like I've been rejected by the ones that are closest to me. If you've ever been rejected or abandoned, you know it's got a voice. And flip, it's a really powerful voice. And it hits insecurity, and it hits fear, and it hits doubt, and it hits worry, and, and all that inner turmoil. And so, but Jesus says, those voices, it's going to speak to me, but I'm not going to be alone because I'm in the Father. So the voice still comes to him, but he doesn't respond to it from inner turmoil because he's learned how always to be in the Father. You see, the thing about inner turmoil is that we've learned how to be in our circumstances. 
And inner turmoil is always connected to our circumstances. When you were growing up, you had moments where you didn't know where you stood, where you were rejected, where you were afraid, where your safety was at risk, where some of you have been abused emotionally or physically or sexually, where, where things happened to us, where we were rejected by kids in the playground, where we were laughed at, we were tormented. And so all of that, we, we engage with those circumstances and we had to survive somehow. And so we, we have these places inside of us where we engage with the voices, but Jesus never went to those places because he was always in the Father. He was never in his circumstances. And so Jesus is saying here, take courage, I've overcome the world. He says, I want to give you my peace. What he's wanting to say to us is, I can teach you how to get out of your circumstances and the inner turmoil that it hits, and I can teach you how to be in the Father. I've overcome the world. I've, I've overcome that place where inner turmoil gets generated out of my circumstances because I've learned how to say in the Father. We see this when Jesus was 12 years old. He's in the synagogue and his mum and dad depart. They think he, the, the Jesus is with them, but he's not, and they get three days away. I always wonder what sort of parents were they, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I do watch parents let their kids run around airports as well, and I wonder the same thing, but uh, that's another story. And, and so... So then they go, Flippy's not here. And they go back to find him. And he said, what's the big deal? I needed to be in my father's house. What's he saying? I'm learning how to be in the father all the time. No matter what's happening to me, I'm learning how to locate my response in who God is for me, not who I'm trying to become myself. And so he says here, I've overcome the world. I can teach you how to do this. And so when you're walking with God, you've got to understand that every day is a teaching opportunity as far as he's concerned. The Holy Spirit is looking for opportunities to teach us how to walk with him and to be in the Father and not in our circumstances. So I want you to think about when things change for you, where do you go? When you don't have enough money, when you get that medical report, when somebody's rejected you, when you've lost your job, when somebody cuts you off in the traffic and you want to raise a finger, where, where do you go? What, what's your response? And, and so right in that moment, we've, we've got to understand, am I in my circumstances and am I allowing the circumstances to speak to my inner turmoil and is my inner turmoil causing me to respond? Or have I actually learnt how to walk with God so that that inner turmoil is completely healed and I no longer need to live there, but I've learned how to live in the Father? That's the opportunity that Jesus is offering us. That's what he's pointing to. You see, the problem that we all face is that we we're created to find our well-being and our value and our identity outside of ourselves that was never meant to be found inside of ourselves. Our value, our well-being and our identity is meant to be found in God, in Him. But when we don't have that, when we don't know how to do that, we look for it somewhere else outside of ourselves and we find it in our circumstances and what we think other people are saying about us or what people think, uh, you know, whether we're performing well or whether we've got enough money in the bank. And so, so our sense of well-being is always going to be connected to something outside of us. But is it going to be connected outside of us to the Father or is it going to be connected outside of us to our circumstances? We've learned growing up without a relationship with the Father to find our well-being, our sense of identity, our value in our circumstances. And when we don't find it there, it creates inner turmoil. We find insecurity and fear and, and we get overwhelmed with doubt and uncertainty. And so, so what's happening when you're learning to walk with God is he's teaching you how to find your sense of well-being and identity, not in your circumstances and how it hits your inner turmoil, but to find it in him so that he can heal that inner turmoil. That's what it means to walk with God, as far as I can tell. That's been my experience for 40 years. 
I'm just a bag of onions like you are. And uh, <laughs> we've got insecurity and he peels one layer of the onion off. You think, finally, I'm free from insecurity. Oh, no, there's another layer. <laughs> Oh, finally I'm free. Oh no, there's another layer. Flip 40 years on, I'm still finding another flipping layer of that onion. <laughs> and we're just a bag of onions. We've got all these onions that, that we live with and, and the Holy Spirit's saying, let me just take another one of those off. And you sort of feel like you're free. I'm finally free. Oh no. Anyway, um, enough said there. So, uh, so Paul understood this as well. So if we go to Romans chapter 5. Um, Romans chapter 5. Uh, I'm looking up there because there's a clock that's counting down and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Uh, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. So what he's saying is that we are in the Father. And so you have a position. Your position is that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. You are in the Father. He's come to make his abode in you, it says in John. Uh, I think it's chapter 8. And so, so we, Paul is reaffirming we, are, we actually are in the Father. We, we are in God and God is in us. We, we stand in this position of being completely accepted by God. And so with that idea of being in the Father, remembering that Jesus said, I can teach you how to remain in the Father all the time because I've learned how to overcome the world. I've learned how not to get caught up in my circumstances and the messages that they send me and the inner turmoil because I don't have inner turmoil because I never chose to believe what my circumstances were telling me. I've only ever chosen to believe what the Father says about me, even though my circumstances might say something different. I've, I've overcome the world. I've learned how to make that transition all the time. That's why he hasn't sinned. And so I can teach you how to do that as well. So remembering he's saying, I can teach you how to be in the Father. But the reality is that we are already positionally in the Father, but we're not in the Father in our circumstances, in our daily lives. We're learning how to live inside of the position that we've already received. And so here, Paul is saying, look, I just want to make it really clear, we're actually in God, we're in Christ. But because we're in Christ, he then says in verse 3, and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. We also exalt in our inner turmoil. What's he saying? He's saying, we're in the Father, but because we're in the Father, I'm now really happy that I've, got, I've discovered inner turmoil. I'm really happy that I've discovered my worry, my fear, my insecurity. Why? Because now I can... So, and not only this, but we also exalt in our inner turmoil, knowing that inner turmoil brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. And so what he's saying is that you now have discovered a site for a miracle. When you find that insecurity, you've now discovered a place where the Holy Spirit can actually do something to set you free from responding to that. We exult in this because it leads to love, and love is the greatest virtue of of the kingdom of God. And so what Paul is saying is make pain your friend. We do this physically. If I, at the age of 10, when I'm living in Sydney, I'm on some monkey bars um, and I fall off and I break my arm, I decide not to tell mum and dad because I'll get berated and I, that will be a bad experience. So I just endure the pain. My arm will heal up all by itself because it has calcification properties. I don't need to see a doctor for my arm to heal up. The only problem is it doesn't heal up properly. So then I moved to Melbourne to start a church 
and I discover winter in Melbourne is horrible. <laughs> and the cold starts to get in here and I start to feel pain in my arm. Now, when I start to feel pain in my arm, I'm now more sensible at the age of 45 than I was at the age of 10, and so I go to the doctor because pain is my friend. It's telling me I need some help with what's going on in my arm. So the doctor x-rays the arm and says, you broke your arm once. I said, yeah, I remember, it was really hard. It was painful as all get out. He said, well, the problem is it didn't heal up properly. You see, we're exactly the same as our bones. When you got hurt when you were growing up as a child, when you were rejected in the schoolyard, when your teacher told you you were an idiot, when your parent yelled at you, when your brothers and sisters rejected you, you felt pain. But we heal ourselves up. The only difference between us and people that are in psychiatric institutions is that we've just learned how to mask our pain better than they have. We've learned how to hide it from others around us better than they have. But the pain is still, is still there. We've healed ourselves up incorrectly. So the doctor says, you know what I've got to do? I've actually got to break your arm again so I can heal up properly. So I can put a cast around it and heal up properly. Dr. Jesus is exactly the same. He turns up with your fear and your doubt and your insecurity and your worry and all that sort of stuff. And he says, you know what? You feel that because when you were younger in your circumstances, when you felt pain, you healed yourself up. You put yourself in your own way of coping. But now I want to teach you how to put yourself in me. But to do that, I have to, you've got to let me break that thing in you. And then Dr. Jesus is really persistent. The Holy Spirit's like a flipping dog with a bone. He just, he'll just hang on to that thing. So I've just learned, okay, all right, humility, surrender, trust. They're the key words for me to follow Jesus. In every situation in life, I've just got to be humble enough to recognize he's the transcendent God of the universe. And I'm called to surrender to him. And as I do, I've just got to trust that he's going to work it out. The key in here, though, is this word perseverance. Paul says, and not only, uh, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation in a turmoil brings about perseverance. You see, the thing about walking with God is that when he comes after that inner turmoil and circumstances change, he's not necessarily the architect of the circumstances changing. Sometimes he is, but he's not always. Sometimes demonic power is involved. Sometimes life's just involved. But circumstances change and it hits that inner turmoil in you. It's a sight for a miracle. It's a sight for a move of the Spirit. It's a sight for a revelation from the Word of God. But I have to embrace it because I make pain my friend. And it's always painful. And it's always disorientating. And it always seems like it's not fair. But what we've got to understand is that it took us a long time to actually create that belief system that the Lord's wanting to undo. And so it's going to take a period of time for it to be undone. You've got to persevere. You've got to hang in with the process. And, and so, so it's learning how to hang in with the process because as we hang in with the process, we learn how to respond correctly to the circumstances that are around us, correctly being how to remain in Christ. So, the, I mean, it's one thing to say we need to have faith, but it's another thing to learn how to get to faith when you have doubt. It's one thing to say that we need to forgive somebody who's hurt us, but it's another thing to learn how to forgive somebody that's hurt us. You'll never forgive deeply unless you're hurt deeply. The two things go hand in hand. If you want to learn how deeply you can forgive somebody, then you need to be really, really hurt. And, and so, so this, walking with God is not all peaches and cream or strawberries and cream or whatever fruit you want to choose, not broccoli. But um, 
there, there are just these moments with God where we count it all joy, my brethren, when we encounter various trials. And we have to have this attitude that, well, I'm now, Jesus wants to teach me. That's what he says in John chapter 16. I want to teach you how to remain in the Father and not be in your circumstances. I want to teach you how to remain in peace, but, but you've, got to, you've got to let me teach you how to go there. And that means you've got to let go of something that you've already substituted to find peace. You've got to let go of your anger because that's how you find peace. You've got to let go of being right to be peace, to find peace. You've got to let go of that, that inner turmoil that, and, and you find the inner turmoil in the, place, in the place of change. Change will always drive inner turmoil to the surface because change speaks. Change communicates. Change has a voice. So, how do you persevere? Thank you for asking. That's a really good question. Let me try and help you. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is one of the most pastoral pieces of Romans that I've come across. So Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? Paul's, Paul's communicating with us. He says, comes to Romans chapter 8 verse 31 and he says, What then shall we say to these things? The right question to ask is, What things are you talking about, Paul? <laughs> what then shall we say to these things? What things? Well, you'll find it in the verses before. And so Paul has run through this whole idea that they that are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God in Romans 8 verse 14. But then he goes into verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What then shall we say to these things? What shall we say to our sufferings? Then we go down into verse 26. In the same way, so we've been talking about how you handle suffering, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. What then shall we say to these things? What shall we say to our sufferings and what shall we say to our weaknesses? So how do you persevere when you find this inner turmoil is speaking to you through the change is speaking to you, it's hitting your inner turmoil and you're discovering this stuff that you don't want to live with? It's generally going to come out of your sufferings and it's generally going to come out of your weaknesses. We've all got them. Everybody in the room suffers. We've all got weaknesses. We've all got places we don't know how to handle life. And so Jesus is saying uh, to us in John chapter 16, in the world you will have inner turmoil. In the world your sufferings and your weaknesses are going to create your inner world to be out of whack. Now Paul is teaching us how to deal with that. First thing he says, what shall we say to these things? So what I've discovered is that when that inner turmoil is alive and speaking to me, I need to speak back to it. I need to actually open my mouth. Because if you get caught in your self-talk, in your, you know, you've got all these dominoes in your head. You just push that first domino, it goes, and you feel angry. Or you push another domino, and you feel discouraged. Or you push another domino, why does that person hate me? And suddenly in a microsecond, you're in a place of self-talk where your world is, is overwhelmed with some sense of, I'm not enjoying this. And so what, what I've discovered is that I have to stop that self-talk. What shall I say to these things? I've actually got to learn to open my mouth and speak to that stuff. I've got to learn to speak to what the inner turmoil is communicating to me. And if I don't speak to it, it will speak to me. Ah, oh, there's a whole other message going down here about brain scientists. <laughs> and the way the brain works and the rewiring of the brain. But anyway, don't come back from there, Peter. <laughs> Suffice to say that you can rewire your brain. 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the rewiring of your brain. And so what I'm talking about this morning is how do you rewire your brain when, your cha- when change has hit your inner turmoil and you're all at sea? Sufferings and weaknesses. What you do, the first thing you do is you learn to speak to them. You open your mouth and you say, I'm not going to believe that. I, I'm going to rely on that. And you've actually got to say this, I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit. Don't speak it in your, in your mind because your self-talk will quickly push it out again because you've always gone to a negative place in your self-talk and it will just push anything positive. You've actually got to harness your brain and get your mouth and your brain connected together and speak it out. And so you've been, Holy Spirit, I need grace right now. My inner turmoil is getting the better of me. Holy Spirit, I want to know how to get into the Father here and get out of my circumstances. You said that you would help me. You overcame the world. So Lord, right now, I name this inner turmoil. I name that I'm feeling insecure. I name that I look at my circumstances and they seem to be telling me that I'm failing. And so I name it. That's what's happening, Lord. I'm actually feeling like I'm failing. And that failure causes me to feel overwhelmed because when I failed in my father's eye, my natural father's eye, I always felt like I was less than I could have been. And I always felt like I wasn't accepted. And so, Lord, I'm here acknowledging that that's what I'm feeling right now. But I know you accept me. I know you believe in me. And so so honestly, listen... (laughs) This is not just good preaching, it's life-changing if you'll put it into practice. You've got to actually learn to speak to this stuff because it'll speak to you in your self-talk, in your brain. It'll speak, you've got to actually fight it. This is the good fight of faith. So what then shall we say to these things? What shall we say to when suffering and weakness overwhelms us? Well, he's going to give us a few clues. The first thing that we say is that um, uh, if God is for us, who is against us? So the first thing that I'm saying is that, God, you're for me. In this moment of pain, you are completely for me. And you are with me in this moment of pain. You're with me in this insecurity. You're with me in this feeling that I'm not being accepted by people. And so, but your Bible says that I, your word says that I am accepted by you and the beloved. And that you accept me as I am. We sang about it this morning. But the question is, do you believe it when you're under pressure? It's one thing to sing it, and I thank God that we sang it together this morning. But when you're under pressure, who you are under pressure is who you really are. There's another message that just popped up, and it's coming coming back in. And so, um, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You are with me in this pain, Lord. Your abode is in me. Jesus is in me. You're right here with me. You're in this pain. And as I name it and as I repent of it and as I ask for grace, you are going to turn up. If God is for us, who can be against us? The next thing that we say is if he's given me Jesus, surely he'll give me all other things. If, he's, if, I, if I'm born again and I'm saved and I'm living in right relationship with God, if I've got, if I've got the prize, then he's going to give me everything else as well. And so you do have an answer for me, Lord. There there is an answer in here. Remembering that you've got to persevere. Remembering that you've got to hold the course. Remembering that just by doing this once isn't going to fix it. You have to hold the course and you have to keep figuring out how to come back at these things. It's like if you want to be one of the great you know, musicians of the world playing piano, you've got to do your keys every day. You've got to play, go up and down those scales. And, and you can't just ever walk away from the basics and the fundamentals in anything in life. Yeah, if you want to be a great football player, in brackets, soccer, then, um, <laughs> then you've got to do the dribbling skills. 
You've got to do the passing skills. You've got to do the stuff because what you're doing is that you're teaching your body how to respond in any circumstance. So what we're doing here is we're teaching our brain how to respond. We're teaching our brain to actually get conformed to the Word of God. And so, so we've got to hang in with the process. The next thing that he says, so what then shall we say to these things? The first thing is if God is for me, who can be against me? The second is if Jesus has given me Jesus, surely he'll give me all other things. Then in verse 33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? One of the things that will hit your inner turmoil is when you feel like you have failed. Well, a charge is telling you that what you have done is not good enough. You, you get charged and other people will actually charge you. Your boss will charge you or your, somebody that, your neighbour will charge you that you've done something wrong and you'll feel guilt, you'll feel shame, you'll feel overwhelmed. Who brings a charge against God's elect? There's all these charges inside of your inner turmoil that you've brought with you from your childhood and your adolescence about whether you fit and whether you're valuable and whether you have any sense of worth. Those charges are aimed at what you do, but you've got to learn how to speak to that as well. So who will bring a charge against God's elect? He says, this is what you say to that. Um, God is the one who justifies. So when that self-talk is telling you shame and guilt and you're no good, you're saying, but Jesus has justified me and I'm accepted in the beloved and I've been chosen by God and I'm holy. And so, yeah, I might have failed and I might have made a mistake, but it's not the end of the world because God has already justified me. We sang about that this morning as well. Singing about it and practicing it are two different things. And so we've got to learn how to speak to these things that, you know, this is how Jesus actually helps us to be in him. Because when I start speaking like this to the, the, what my inner turmoil is telling me, then I begin to put myself in the word of God. And I begin to put myself in the grace of God and I'm getting myself out of my own way of seeing life. This is how we walk with God. The next thing he says, who is the one who condemns? Condemnation is, a, is something about who you are. You're hopeless, you're no good, you'll never make it who you are, you're not gifted enough, nobody really believes in you. There's this condemnation that hits all of us. So what do we say to condemnation? Well, Paul helps us out with that as well. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather he who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Jesus is never condemning you. He's always praying for you to flourish. God doesn't know how to condemn you. He doesn't, he's got got no reason to condemn you because he condemned Jesus for everything wrong that you've ever done. Every part of weakness and suffering. And so, so what we've got to do is that when we feel that, when we hear that self-talk, we speak to it and say, no, I'm not going to listen to that condemnation because Jesus is interceding for me. Amen. Jesus is only saying great things about me. Jesus is saying that I'm the apple of his eye. Sure, I make some mistakes and I need some help, but he doesn't turn it against me. It's just a sight for another miracle to take place. And then the final thing that... Uh, that that we need to say. So first of all, if God is for me, who can be against me? If he's given me Jesus, surely he's given me all the other things. When I feel that I'm charged, I need to say God is the one who justifies. When I feel condemnation, Jesus is interceding for me. The fifth thing that speaks to us is our circumstances. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So our circumstances will speak to us and and we need to learn how to manage what they say to us and, and how they inform us. So now we're right back at the very beginning about how change has a voice that hits our inner turmoil and causes us to respond. And, and so Paul says, but in these things, 
we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. What we've got to do is continually find our way back to the place that God loves me and he loves me because I breathe. Generally, we've all been raised to feel love on the basis of our performance. Right behavior equals right relationship. But the fact is that God loves me just because of who he is. God is love. It's got nothing to do with what I do. It's got everything to do with who he is. And so when that inner turmoil is alive and raging at me, when it's a freight train that's got out of control and it's barreling towards a cliff that's taking me over into despair and discouragement, I've got to begin to speak to myself and say, God, you love me. I, help me to have a revelation, Lord, that you love me because I'm your creation. And it's got nothing to do with what I do. I've been raised to believe that it's got everything to do with what I do, but it's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with the fact that you can't care about me. This is the life that we can live. This is the life that Jesus lays before us. And he says, in the world you'll have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. In the world you'll have inner turmoil, but I can teach you how to get out of your circumstances and the inner turmoil that brings to you, and I can teach you how to be in the Father. But first of all, you've got to persevere. And in your perseverance, you've got to figure out how to speak to your sufferings and to your weaknesses. Let me just give you three thoughts that might be practical in helping you to negotiate your way through here as you face this later today. (laughs) (laughs) The first thought is that emotions are terrible masters, but they're wonderful servants. That pain that you feel, that negative emotion, it's a terrible master, but it is a wonderful servant because it points you towards the fact that God now wants to help you. That insecurity, that fear, that doubt, that anxiety, that anger, that discouragement, that despair, it's a terrible master, but it's a wonderful servant because it's actually telling you that you can now come to God in the way that we've talked about and find how to be in Him rather than be in all that stuff. Emotions are terrible masters, but they are incredibly wonderful servants. If you'll only treat them as a servant, let them show you something that God wants to set you free from. The second thing is that this only works if you're a person who values self-awareness and personal responsibility. You came to faith through self-awareness and personal responsibility. You became self-aware that there was a God that you were separated from and you took personal responsibility for that separation and you prayed some sort of prayer that asked God to come into your life. That's how you got completely and utterly born again and transformed through self-awareness and personal responsibility. It's the greatest transformation that will happen to anyone. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, like I was 40 years ago, a young man who thought he knew everything but was actually lost in all of his own emotional stuff and not able to acknowledge that there is a transcendent world, a spiritual world that's beyond us. And that we actually are accountable to that spiritual world. The way you connect with this God who loves you and cares about you in the way I've been talking about this morning is that you are aware that you are separated from Him and you take responsibility for that separation. I've, I've chosen not to put my trust in you. And so you make a decision. You can make that decision this morning in a few minutes' time as I come to an end. I'm going to put my trust in you, Jesus. I'm not going to put my trust in my own ability anymore. I'm not going to put my trust in money. I'm not going to put my trust in my own understanding because you're going to put trust somewhere. Trust has to be placed somewhere. 
and you can put your trust in Jesus. And that's what I found. I was self-aware, I was separated from God, I took responsibility for it. And I said, Lord, I put my trust in you and everything changed from that day forward. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So if that's how you get into the kingdom and you get into relationship with God, then surely that's how all transformation is going to take place. Self-awareness, I'm in pain, I'm insecure, I'm afraid, I'm discouraged. Personal responsibility, I've chosen to believe something that's put me there. I'm in my circumstances, in a turmoil. And so I'm now going to come before the Father and I'm going to say some things to that and say, Lord, I need you to help get me out of here. Teach me how to be in you, not to be in my circumstances. Emotions are terrible masters, they're wonderful servants. You'll extract the servanthood out of them through self-awareness and personal responsibility. Don't blame somebody else for your fear. Don't blame somebody else for your anger. Don't blame somebody else for your sense of being rejected. You have chosen to believe that. Some people might be really good at creating the environment where that choice is much easier for you to make, but you're still making that choice. My final thought in here is that we need to let our emotions be a mirror, not a measure. We need to be able to look at our emotions and through self-awareness and personal responsibility own them as my stuff, not let them be a measure where I measure somebody else's behaviour and say, if they only stopped doing that, I wouldn't be feeling this. Or use it as a measure to condemn ourselves and say, I'm hopeless, I'm no good. We don't, we're, not, we're not called to measure. As followers of Jesus, measurement has been dropped. It's all been dealt with. It's about mirror. It's about looking at things and what can I learn from this? And what measure says, it measure listens to charges and condemnation and listens to bad circumstances. It says, I'm hopeless, I'm no good, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go eat some worms. I, we've just got to learn how to live as followers of Jesus without measure anymore and actually learn to live with mirror. Is this easy? No. Is it challenging? Absolutely. Does it bring life and freedom? Completely. I've learned this is one of the key building blocks for how I've walked with God for the last 40 years. And as I've learned to walk with Him like this, I've actually become more like Him and I've become the person that I always dream about being. So I trust that it's been helpful for you this morning in some way. Let's all just thank you. Thank you, that's very kind. Um, could we all close our eyes and bow our heads? Uh, I just want to pray uh, in two different spaces right now. Um, the first space I want to pray is I want to pray for all the followers of Jesus that are here, that the Holy Spirit would help you to remember just a little bit of what I said. I know that three days' time you'll have forgotten 85% of it, but you need to get the podcast and listen to it again. But I want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would help you to remember what you need to remember, what you need to take out of this morning so that you would worship Jesus with your whole life as well as with your song. And then I want to pray for anybody that wants to put their trust in Jesus. So let me just pray for followers of Jesus right now. Lord, I, I thank you for all of us, I include myself, in the room who are learning how to walk with you. Who are learning, Lord, how to be in the Father and not in our circumstances. 
asking Holy Spirit that out of all the words that I've said this morning, whatever needs to be held by each of us, that you would remind us and that you would help us to be courageous enough to put them into practice over the coming days and weeks and months. I pray, Lord, for revelation knowledge to consume our hearts. I pray that that revelation would motivate us to courageous perseverance and that through it all we'd become better lovers of self, lovers of others, lovers of you. So, Lord, I thank you for the freedom that awaits us as we learn how to speak to things. In Jesus' name. We can just all keep our eyes closed still. If you are here this morning and and you want to put your trust in Jesus, the way that we do that in these sort of settings is that we ask you to raise your hand, not because we want to embarrass you. We just want you to take responsibility for the fact that you're going to put your trust in Jesus. And in raising your hand, I'll acknowledge that you've raised your hand. I'll ask you to put it down. Then I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And I'm going to ask us all to pray a prayer with you about you saying, Lord, forgive me. I take responsibility for the separation. I want to be, I want to be in relationship with you today, God. And so if that's you, you want to put your trust in Jesus, could you just be courageous enough just to lift your hand up high? I'll acknowledge it. I'll ask you to put it down. And then we'll pray with you. Is there anyone here today? Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much. Anyone else? You just raise your hand. You can put your hands down now. That's really very courageous of you and very kind. Who else is there this morning? You just raise your hand and say, yes, I, I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to put my trust in him. Anyone else at all? Just as I bring this to a close, just slip your hand up. Awesome. Could we all stand? So for the three of you that raise your hands, we're all going to pray this prayer along with you so you feel our love and our our commitment to you. Um, But if you can make this your prayer, out of your own heart, speaking to a God who loves you. So let's all just close our eyes and, and those three in particular who raise your hands. If you can make this your personal prayer of commitment to the Lord, but the rest of us will pray with you. So together, let's say, Dear God, I come today and I acknowledge that I'm separated from you. I want to come into relationship with you, Jesus. I want to put my trust in you. I acknowledge that I've done things that are not pleasing in your sight. I've hurt others, I've hurt myself, and I've also hurt you. And so I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I invite you to come into my world. Holy Spirit, would you help me to be a great follower of Jesus? just pray for those three who raise hands. Lord, I I pray that these three beautiful people would encounter you profoundly today. What you did for me, Lord, all those years ago, would you do it for them today? That their understanding of life would radically change. Lord, they'd find a life with you that is full of abundance and full of joy. In Jesus' name.
Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.